Okay, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Tom Pratt. I'm not joined by my wife today uh, because she's taking care of our sick puppy. But I do have a special guest. Michael Sun from Tapostic is with me. Hello. Hello. Michael is, now he's moved up quite a bit, but he is currently the editor and chief and director of content for Tapostic.com. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. That is correct. So uh, for those of you listening to the podcast who, who aren't familiar with uh, Tapostic, uh, it is uh, a webcomic portal. Uh, it's it's a very uh, – now, we've used it ourselves with uh, Shadowbinders. We mirror one of our comics over there, and uh, we find it very easy to use. And it's, it's been making some waves the last couple of years, so we thought we'd have Michael on the show uh, to talk a little bit more about Tapostic. Awesome. I mean, you guys joined fairly early on in um, sort of like the timeline of Tapastic, right? It was, I think, 2013? It was. We actually um, were going to join sooner, uh, but we couldn't because we were locked into a contract with another webcomic uh, host at the time, who shall not (laughs) remain nameless, (laughs) but but we had a pretty tight contract with them, so we couldn't couldn't mirror anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, I think, the first handful of creators actually joined the site initially. Um, like, 2013 was, yeah, the first year we were around. And you guys went crazy and uploaded a ton of content initially, <laughs> right? Yeah, we recall. did. Um, and we were just blown away by by that. Um, so that's, we're very grateful that you joined the site. And you guys have been, like, huge proponents for us. So we are oh, very, very grateful for that. No, I think, I, I mean, personally, I, I think it's a great system. I think it's, I mean, we have tried other webcomic hosts. If, if you're not um, web savvy enough to host your own site, I mean, I really think it's, it's probably the easiest to use option out there. I mean, really, we've recommended, I know a lot of the conventions we go to, we recommend uh, new webcomics creators go to Topostic and, and upload their comics there because you've got to build an audience, right? You've got people mm-hmm. that are there to read comics, which is great. I mean, that's... Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've yeah. been around so long that you've probably seen all of the major, um, like, site-wide updates. Like, our, our, the look and feel of the site is nothing like it was in 2013. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think if we do ever write, like, the history of Tapastic, we would probably <laughs> interview you first. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, I think we were, I think we joined within the first couple of months, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like you mentioned, the the sites really come a long way. Could we backtrack a little bit and where did Tapastic come from? Um, so Tapastic is the brainchild of, uh, Chang Kim, our CEO. Um, he started working at Google and then wanted to sort of bring, uh, the manhua or webtoon format from Korea to America. Mm-hmm. They thought, you know, with the proliferation of mobile phones, it's like a really good time to get into the content business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that started in, I think, late 2012. And he started assembling this like all-star team of designers. And um, uh, like he recruited Darren, who's a world-class designer. Uh, he cr- recruited me from college. I was still an undergrad at the time. Um, and I couldn't work full time, so I started off as an intern. And he also, uh, let's see, assembled Min Kim, who was our COO for a while. Mm. Um, and we started from there, like a very, very small team, alongside our developers, Yoon Kim, lead architect. Um, yeah, we, we we started off at like with like eight people, I think, as oh, well wow. as as well as eight creators um, on day one. Wow. Um, and so uh, the structure of the site was very dependent on those eight creators. So 
um, started out very, very different from what it is today. We, we now have, I think we broke 10,000 creators like last week. Oh my gosh, that's cool. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. So we've come a very, very long way. That is very cool. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a really good system. And I think, you know, one of the, the things that I like about it is, you know, you, you go where your audience is and, and everybody is there. Like Tumblr, people are there to read comics, but they're also there to read, you know, mm-hmm. like everything else. And I think sometimes your comics, unless you have an established audience, are going to get lost in the blog posts and the cat videos and everything else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's funny is that we actually used Tumblr as a huge recruiting tool in our early days, um, looking through like the comics tag on Tumblr itself. So we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Tumblr. So <laughs> much gratitude to those guys. There you go. Um, so now, uh, you know, you guys have been around for, let's see, we're going on what, four years, three years now. Yeah. Three years. So how, how has, you mentioned the site uh, design changing, how has you know, Tapasta changed in the last, I mean, have you guys adapted based on, on how you've seen people use the site? Have you gone after different kinds of comics, different kinds of content? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think originally, so we started off with eight comics, um, content and content creators, uh, eight, uh, pieces of content that were long form. So they, we didn't have any like gag a day or comedy, I and mean, it was mostly drama and science fiction. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the original designs for the site catered to that type of story. Um, and so a lot of the site was, you know, designed for uh, pushing people to subscribe, uh, engaging in the comment section. And uh, it, I guess, relied on the weekly update schedule that we see on a couple other comic platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule. Um, to encourage readers to come back once a week. And after a while, we started recruiting and we got, you know, we wanted to go for a specific editorial style, but Mm -hmm. the more comics and the more artists that joined the site, I think they sort of dictated the editorial voice and sort of what we showcase and how we designed the site moving forward. Um, So it was a very organic uh, process. Um, You know, it's one thing to build a site and to, think that you know what it needs and there's our approach which is well we built a site that we think should function this way but you know we were (laughs) proven wrong and we had to adapt or else you know people wouldn't use it so yeah yeah uh, we try to be as accommodating as possible um and and it's tough you know we after our first year we broke like a thousand creators um and that was like a huge milestone for us and we had a huge mix of long form short form um, abstract, uh, a lot of different types of content that all needed specific tools in order to really flourish on the site. Mm-hmm. So we had to sort of pick and choose our battles very carefully. Cause like I said, we were a small team and we could only build so many tools. And, uh, so we couldn't cater to everyone. And, um, we still struggle with that. I think today as we break 10,000 creators, you know, and we introduce even more types of content on the site. So, uh, it's, it's an ongoing struggle, I'd say. Yeah. Now, would you say that, that most of the audience, uh, they go for the uh, the long-form comics or the gag comics now? Um, so originally, uh, we saw gag comics, uh, like the Gag-A-Day comics, really succeed on the site, just in terms of like pure page view numbers. Um, but in terms of like subscribers, we saw long-form sort of go toe-to-toe with them. Um, it was just that like long-form content didn't have as many episodes, so we weren't seeing the same amount of like episode views mm. as like Gagaday. But, you know, I would say that it's it actually skews more heavily towards long form today. 
Um, it might be due to us uh, featuring long form content more aggressively um, starting in October of last year, um, you know, showcasing them more on the daily snack. Uh, so, you know, so if there are creators out there who do long form content, I think Tapasic is a really good place to start uh, more so than other platforms at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've noticed that there there definitely is a trend toward more long-form comics. I know when we first started posting, it seemed like, I mean, there were a handful, and I think a lot of those stories were, were Korean stories, and it just, mm-hmm. we, we kind of felt like we were like the odd ducks then. It was like, oh, yeah. everybody yeah. else has these, like, little tumblery looking comics, and then we've got, like, our, you know, thousand-page thing, mm-hmm. you know, that we're going to vomit onto to the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but since then, it, it looks like I mean, it looks like there are a lot more, a lot more long form stories on there. Yeah, so. definitely. I think the um, we we did see like a proliferation of long form content uh, last year. Uh, I think a lot of a lot more creators sort of came out of the woodwork to to make content. Um, mm-hmm. We saw a huge spike in about March, where a lot of long form creators joined the platform. So that was exciting. Um, but yeah, back to sort of like shadow binders, like uploading you know close to a thousand pages like our site at the time wasn't really built to handle that, that <laughs> upload. Um, okay so, whoops <laughs> so um yeah we had to really think about how do we accommodate creators who do have like a huge library of right. comics that they want to upload i mean even if like tapasic is like a really simple way to upload comics like uploading a thousand pages that's gonna take like a couple days right at the very least yeah yeah um and it's like, how, how do we accommodate that? Um, and also, like, how do we feature that? You know, how do we go about featuring that? Do we do we feature the newest content first, like the newest episode that they've uploaded? Or do we start them start readers from the beginning? Um, are the people that are reading the comic already fans of the comic? Or are they new fans that have never engaged with it? So, you know, these are sort of the struggles that we faced um, uh, as an editorial team when we, when we first started seeing, like, long form creators with like 30 plus 40 plus, you know, hundred plus episodes join the mm. site. Um, and so we had to go with a more of a metrics approach of, you know, out of their episodes, which ones are performing the best? Like, should we start them there or um, should we just ask the creator what they're most comfortable with and maybe just trust them on that? Yeah, I know. Um, now when we first started uploading uh, a liaison from uh, Tapastic actually told us to uh, at the time to, uh, put multiple pages into one episode, which was kind mm-hmm. of a weird, you know, <laughs> for, for us, it was a very strange way of doing it. Cause we're used to one page equals one yeah. page equals, you know, one to one with the, the, you know, with the ad revenue model and that whole thing that had been going on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for forever or whatever. And, um, so she was like, well, dump like 10 pages into the first couple of episodes to get people hooked. Cause they're used to scrolling down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So we did that. And actually we noticed a huge, um, upswing in subscribers because we sort of got them hooked, I think, with multiple pages uh, with minimal effort. They didn't have to keep clicking, you know, to the next update or whatever. Yeah. And then eventually, once we caught up, we just started doing one to one like we do on our, our main site. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people haven't dropped us yet. So <laughs> yeah. I guess that's that's worked <laughs> out for us. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the difficulties that we actually face in the early days of Tapastic, where it's like, we suggested that very same thing where it's like, oh, if you could put like maybe eight pages or at least complete your first story beat in like the first episode, that I think would be very, very helpful. But then 
it's kind of a weird place to be in. Like when I first joined as a as an intern, I was telling that to creators and a lot of creators had some pushback where it's like, well, the creators have been producing their comics for about like four, four plus years. And I'm this new kid who is not even graduated college trying to give them advice on <laughs> on how to do their thing. So um, I would say that a majority of creators who were doing long form content who joined to Pasic were actually just doing a page by page update initially. Um, and we still do see a lot of that happening on the site today. Um, so we have to, I think the onus is sort of on us at Topastics to sort of create better incentive structures to, to help creators sort of adopt that mentality of, you know, having a first episode that completes their first story beat. Mm. And one of the things that we've done is to feature those episodes in the daily snack, which has traditionally been reserved for sort of like the gag a day sort of, mm. you know consume the episode under a minute kind of mentality where it's like you get five comics a day. You're supposed to be able to finish it under five minutes. Um, and we're sort of like broken that mold as we've gone forward because we're like, there are a ton of great long form comics that deserve some spotlight. And even if it takes like 10 minutes to read, I think people will enjoy it and we've been proven right. So um, that's been very, very helpful for us in terms of, you know, engaging creators from that angle where it's like, oh, you guys should really try to tell as much story as possible in that first episode to get that reader hooked and to try to get them mm. to subscribe. Um, but on that topic, I would like to try to talk about sort of that balance between um, a creator modifying their content to be more marketable versus telling mm. the story how they want to tell it. You know, some creators want to tell it page by page. You know, there is an art form to the page turn that um, we're sort of trying to move away from in, in mm-hmm. a weird way. Um, and that's a strange balance for me as an editor where it's like, I don't ever want to put a creator in a position to compromise their art form. But at the same time, like I see the data and I really want them to succeed on our platform and on our platform in particular, like maybe uploading eight, 10 pages at a go is going to be more successful. So I mean, how do you feel about that? You know? uh, well, I've noticed with, I mean, now we stopped um, updating on Topostic uh, for a couple of months. I mean, we had a number of things going on and it just basically I just forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, then we came back and we uploaded like 20 or 30 pages at one time. And we saw a massive uptick in subscriptions and, and page views. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just like, it was like kaboom, you know, and it does seem... Um, I mean, at least from from where you know my wife and I are sitting with with Topostic, I think I I almost I want to say that readers want more in one chunk. They'd rather yeah. wait a month and have you know six or eight pages than you know have a page trickled out every week. That's just my my gut feeling. I mean, I really can't you know substantiate that, but just mm-hmm. based on what I've seen with ours, uh, it just seems like uh, you know. People, people have come to expect, at least from the long-form stories, they expect a larger chunk of story. Yeah. And um, I think from a reader's perspective, because we've gotten this this feedback on on our main site too, that because the comic updates so slowly, I mean, we're talking a page or two a week, uh, you know, people forget what happened 10 pages ago because it's been like two months. So a lot of times our readers will actually come in and say, well, I'm going to wait until you're done with this chapter and then I'm going to go back and read like all 30 pages in one clip you know mm-hmm. like buying a comic and sitting down reading the whole comic and yeah. and that's sort of you know the feedback that we've gotten um you know but again we 
at least our main site, we're so used to just, you know, trickling the pages out as we get them done because, you know, ad revenue. And <laughs> it's just sort of been a driving force. And we're also kind of like, you know, the internet has ADHD. And if you drop off the face of the planet for a couple of months, you know, to, to dump a bunch of pages, they tend to forget. So you want to yeah, make sure you're constantly definitely. out there doing something. Yeah, that's definitely something that we faced uh, early on, which is why we you know, spent, I'd say, like, a good three months on our onboarding process for Tapastic to try to, you know, get a reader to commit to signing up. And therefore, we've seen that, like, once a reader does stick around for a couple of days, they're more likely to revisit the site, like, every, um, I think, multiple times a week, I believe, is what mm. the data showed. Um, so I think if you are building your own website, it makes sense to upload a page a day. One, you know, ad revenue is a really great source of income. And it's also, it feels good, you know, to get paid um, for doing content. And uh, when you're building your own site, it makes sense to update at a regular schedule, like one page a week or, you know, multiple pages a week, um, just to get your uh, readers to interact with you and to sort of remember to come back to the site. But for something like Topasic, where we have like built-in notifications and have like an emailing system down um it sort of gives creators the flexibility to sort of hold off and to sort of compile pages um you know like a really good strategy that i saw some creators using is updating their site uh, once a week and sort of compiling those pages and updating it in bulk onto pastic um i think that's a that's a great way to sort of diversify sort of the reading experience between you know a personal website and, and your mirror site such as the pastic yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, that, that's one thing you brought up about the subscriptions. I mean, that's that's sort of the uh, the bane of the standalone site because with social media now, I mean, everybody subscribes, right? They subscribe mm -hmm. to YouTube. They subscribe to Tumblr blogs, uh, Facebook pages. Um, with a standalone site, you know, one of the biggest hurdles is getting people to subscribe to what your RSS feed, you know, who does that? Yeah. Nobody, nobody <laughs> does that anymore. So what happens, we found a lot of people are like, well, we, we bookmarked your comic and I come mm -hmm. back to it eventually when I think about it or I don't think about it. And, you know, you might get people come in from Twitter or Facebook. I mean, we've got our diehards that are saying they're waiting and you can see they're coming in from, you know, Feedburner or Feedly or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but the vast majority of our, our readers, I don't think they subscribe, which is why, at least for the standalone sites, you know, that, that regular update schedule was so important to keep people mm -hmm. coming back. But, you know, with something like Tupostic, it's, it's very nice that, hey, when there's something new, you know what, you're going to get notified. You're not going to miss anything, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really like that. I think it's a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, that it's also important um, to think about sort of, how do you want your readers to experience the content or the comic itself? Uh, do you want them to read it page by page? I think it is advantageous for a lot of comics to read it page by page, um, you know, especially sort of the thriller uh, mysteries genre where it's like, oh, each page is actually like very, very uh, enticing and it, it makes you anticipate what's going to happen next. And there are other sort of like slice of life or drama um, genres that sort of work better to read in bulk. So I think if you are a creator thinking about which is going to work for you, you should really think about sort of like, you know, what kind of comics you're making and sort of take advantage of that. Um, I guess from a, a reader perspective, or I mean like a creator perspective as well. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you feel this way personally, but it's like when you make something, you just want to get it out there in front of people as, as quickly as possible. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. sort of another thing that, it works against us at Topastic, where it's like, 
um, long form creators just want to, you know, get pages up, you know, they, they just want to get feedback and that's great. Um, and our, um, engagement has like skyrocketed because of that. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well it makes your comic harder to share on like the daily feed or. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so we, it puts the editors in a weird position at times. We've, we've found, I mean, honestly, you know, we've been doing the web comic for six years now. I think we're going on six years. And, you know, prior to that I did uh, print comics. I used to do work for Disney and, and mm-hmm. stuff. I still do occasional work for them. Um, but it is, it's almost like you, you sort of become addicted to that, that instant feedback. But I think that's sort of, you know, now that I'm, you know, we're, we're getting older and wiser, it's sort of detrimental because I think I personally, I'd rather sit down and, you know, put together a whole 25, 30 page story, you know, and, and then trickle it out because it's, it's really hard. Uh, one, like I said, you know, readers tend to forget what happened on page one when you're on page, you know, 45 or whatever. And, mm. and two, um, you know, one thing we've had to do with, uh, shadow binders and, and we still do is we try to end each page on some kind of a beat to keep people coming back, which is, is cool until you actually sit down and you like read, that's one of the feedbacks we got is like, it feels like a series of like self-contained strips because we're always, but I almost have to like design, design the pages around, you know, there's gotta be a joke or a, you know, dun, dun, dun moment at the end of each page or people are going to come back next week, you know, to see what happens. Uh, so you can't just have, you know, a couple of quiet pages of a character walking through the forest or something like you could in a graphic novel because it's just not going to work with the, at least with the way we've been doing it, it wouldn't work. But I like, um, you know, going to the differences between the, the long form comics and, and Tapostic. I like the comics that scroll down, like the infinite scroll, like Scott McCloud talked about, mm-hmm. you know, where you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And there's like so much that you can actually do with that. And I think with mobile devices, especially it works out really, really well. And I've seen some creators take advantage of, of that. Yeah, I think we see more and more creators try to experiment with that. So, like, once they do see another creator sort of do something really awesome with that infinite scroll, I think they're sort of, you know, they want to rise up to the challenge of also doing something really unique and interesting with that. Um, So we've seen, like, a a proliferation of creators experimenting with the infinite scroll and and seeing how far they can take it. Um, And that's always really, really fun for, you know, us at Tapastic to see. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that, that just sort of, you know, for me, it sort of highlights, um, the difference between the kind of the traditional web comic model, which is basically a print comic, whether it be a strip or a, a comic book page versus the new breed of web comics, you know, the Tumblr comics, the, the comics designed for mobile devices, you know, designed for the internet. There just seems to be a, a, a difference there. You know, I can't really put my finger on it, but the infinite scroll definitely is, is I think one of the the uh, the indicators of, of that, or one of the trademarks of that. Yeah, definitely. It's also difficult to to think about uh, infinite scroll in a way because I would I would argue that a majority of you know comic creators want to print their work eventually, mm. um, even if they're working on a web comic. And so, you know, when we're talking about infinite scroll, it's like that's something very hard to translate to a printed material, right? Yeah. So. I think one of the sort of pain points in trying to do infinite scroll is like giving up on the idea of printing it. Or if you are going to print it, you might have to adapt it in some way or maybe even redraw portions of the comic. And I think for a lot of people just starting out in webcomics, that sort of seems ridiculous and that they should just focus on, you know, 
creating a webcomic page, like an individual page and taking that to the printer, that, that makes the most sense. Um, yeah. Even for us at Tapasic, that makes the most sense. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. more sensible for creators to approach it in that sense. Um, so I think it is a big ask when we tell creators to experiment with the vertical format and to try to do infinite scroll and to see like what the limits are and to try to push those limits. Um, you know, it's very difficult to try to tell a creator to, to do those things when, you know, it sort of doesn't really make sense in terms of uh, a time investment, you know, like you're, Mm. how many, how many hours does it take you to to create a page? Um, And how many hours is it going to take you to create a vertical scroll? Um, And how many hours is it going to take to try to adapt those two things into a physical book um, versus how much you're getting on the return? um, Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of like pure monetization sense, uh, regardless of, you know, like the emotional investment and whatnot that you get from the, the audience. I, we get we get a lot of we get a lot of heat for that because we're we're always about uh, you know hey do the work you love but if you want to continue to do the work that you love then you have to um, you know make that work pay or you're not going to yeah. be able to afford <laughs> to be okay, able to so do. I, I have more. to ask this question to you. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're a working professional. Um, the one thing that I do, I do notice a lot from my three years of working at Tapastic is this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that a lot of creators sort of um, have adopted where it's like a lot of creators online have said you should do, you should make web comics because you love it, but you shouldn't expect to make money from it. Um, and <laughs> I feel like that sort of gets people in the wrong mindset and sort of makes them go about trying to figure out monetization from web comics in, in a strange way. Um, like we've sort of, defaulted into thinking that um you know ad revenue is like the de facto way to generate revenue when there are tons of other ways to do so um i mean how do you how do you feel about that notion of like people telling you to not expect to earn a living from making comics i think it's a bunch of feel-good hippie nonsense (laughs) um i think you know and maybe it's a generational thing i mean i'm i'm well, I'm not going to divulge my age, but I am older than a lot of <laughs> a lot of tapostic creators. But I think uh, when you get to a certain point where you realize that you know to do what you love, you basically have to buy back the time to do that. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to make concessions. You know, mm-hmm. you have to say, "Look, this might not be a hundred percent what I really wanted to do, but to be able to get to a place in life where I can do what I want to do, I, I, I have." to do this you know yeah. for now and if you want to be a comics professional then you you pretty much right out of the gate have to approach it like a business and we tell people mm-hmm. this all the time you know i joke when we do uh conventions you know my wife and i were always joking you know you go to art school awesome make sure you take a business class or two because you're not yeah. going to make it nor i don't care how good of an artist you are you will never be a professional artist unless you grasp the, the business side of it and mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of uh creatives just don't don't get that. And I think that's really what, at least from where I'm coming from, that's really what separates someone who has a career in any creative industry versus someone who's talented, but they never really seem to go anywhere is, you know, do they have the business uh, acumen to be able to do what they love, but also pay the bills, you know, cause it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, you know, if you're, you're incredibly talented, but you can't keep the lights on or feed yourself, you know, you're yeah, not going to yeah. make much art. Yeah. Are you, you know, so that's, that's always a, that's always a, uh, 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 balancing act. And I mean, I'm not telling people to, to sell out. I mean, definitely yeah. do what you love to do, but just realize that you're probably going to have to bend your vision a little bit to get it past whatever gatekeepers, uh, 
you know, you need to, to, to mm -hmm. get it out there and to make it a viable thing. And then you can be like, you know, some of these musicians who, I mean, we're thinking, you know, David Bowie, who unfortunately um, just passed away yeah. a few days ago, but you look at his career and I mean, granted, he was always a little eccentric right out of the gate, but his later work especially was like crazy experimental because he could, he could afford to experiment mm -hmm. you know he spent his whole life putting out you know more commercially viable albums and then at the end he's like well i'm already rich i can do whatever i want yeah, yeah. you know so <laughs> yeah but I mean, i've been seeing it a lot a lot lately especially on the forums where uh, on the topastic forums where people are are saying you shouldn't expect to make a living off of making web comics and i think that sort of gets people in the mindset that they shouldn't even try to to like monetize off of making web comics which i think it's sort of like this never-ending cycle of like uh, I I don't deserve to make money, so I shouldn't even try to make money. And this like it, you know it's sort of never yeah, ends. So yeah. I think one of the big things that I want to focus on in 2016 is like to get people out of that mindset. Mm. Um, and one of the things that we're working towards is to introduce new um, new ways to monetize off of comics uh, onto Pastic in the future. Um, and yeah, there's that term that that you mentioned, like selling out. Um, that gets thrown out a lot on the forums, which is kind of like uh, depressing, I think, to hear. Um, I think a lot of people view selling out as like super negative. Yeah. Um, but I think there are merits to the idea of like making a lot of money off of content. And I think when you end up, you know, breaking into the mainstream and making a ton of money, everyone sees it as selling out. But I don't necessarily see it that way. Um, you know, like if a creator does find success in the mainstream, I think we should all celebrate that. Um, as much as possible and maybe that's just like a, a new age way of thinking about no, these subjects i don't think so i mean we you know we've had several podcasts where where cam and i discuss you know the, the business side of, of mm -hmm. comics yeah and i mean there are a lot of really talented people out there but like i said the the, the you know really comes down to how how good is your business sense is your work commercially mm -hmm. viable in whatever market you're trying to get into yeah. and realize i mean and we try to you know be realistic with people and be like look you know, comics is very, very hard to break into and it's very hard to stay in. It is possible, but you, you need to know, you know, the work that you have ahead of you is, is going to be, it's going to be a, a, a challenging, you know, uh, road for sure. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as people know that and they're, they're up for the challenge and they don't get easily discouraged, I think, you know, it's, it's a possible thing, but I, you know, again, you were talking about the ad revenue and that's, that's, we just talked with, um, uh, Brady Dale from the New York Observer a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was a, a great uh, chat because he talked about how a lot of these comics that re had relied on uh, ad revenue all these years are, are switching it up because they have to, because the yeah. ad revenue is is not there. And uh, so they've had to try some other um, you know business models and try making other kinds of merchandise and whatever. And um, you know, so definitely things are changing and there's definitely room uh, I think for for some other you know business models in regards to monetizing comics. Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen sort of like the rise of uh, Patreon in, in our most recent days, and I think what they're doing is like a wonderful thing of introducing the notion that you know content creators should be paid for their hard work. Um, and I think the more we can get people to buy into that mindset, the better. Yeah. Um, you know, like ad revenue, Patreon. I think they're parts of a whole. We haven't really solved it yet. Um, but they are parts of a whole in terms of creating a, a, a sustainable career for creators, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you know, something I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Michael, is, uh, you know, people people are always wondering what the webcomic scene is like overseas. Now, since oh, you guys yeah. work, work with so many uh, Korean creators, it would be, uh, I mean, could you tell us what the difference is? So in, um, in Korea, like Webtoons is a very common uh, medium to consume, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, where as like in America, not everyone reads comics, but in Korea, like everybody reads comics, basically. Like people read it on their cell phones in the subway, on their way to work. Um, people read it on, you know, publishing portals. It's a very, very common thing. And a lot of them get translated into TV shows and movies. So we do see sort of like that uh, upstream revenue for their creators there. So it's a very different, <laughs> a very different uh, sort of culture Mm -hmm. Um, in Korea. And we wanted to replicate that as much as possible in America um, when we create Topastic. Um, But there have been a lot of growing pains. Like, you know, we started out trying to adapt a Korean business model in America. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't translate well. Mm -hmm. Um, We brought over eight titles that did really well in Korea and they didn't do so well in America. So there's obviously like cultural clashes. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, like the webcomic or uh, apologies, uh, Webtoon um, culture in Korea is is very, very popular. And it's sort of permeated the cultural consciousness there. Um, and something that, you know, I'm personally very jealous of. It's sort of like the manga culture in Japan. Mm. Um, and so we have done like pilot programs um, on Topastic where we've done the opposite of importing comics. We've tried to, you know, export comics to Korea. Um, and translate into Korean and seeing how well they perform there. Um, our pilot program was fairly successful, so it gives us hope that maybe we can sort of scale that out more in the future, hopefully. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because, um, I mean, it, it just it, you know, it kind of blows my mind because I've, I've, I've been reading up on, on Webtoons and it just that, like, everybody reads them over there. And here it's like uh, webcomics are kind of a niche within a niche. Like, you have a, a, uh, a readership we have uh, readers of, of comics and maybe a percentage of them read web comics or maybe they don't mm-hmm. read print comics, but they read web comics, but it's sort of, uh, you know, very few web comics have, have made that, uh, that leap into like a mainstream. I think the closest I can think of is probably the oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe, for sure. yeah, maybe Penny arcade, maybe, uh, Homestuck. Um, but I mean, other than the handful of examples, we don't have like, web comics that like everybody reads over here Mm. you know yeah i think i mean there are a couple of things that um sort of work against us i guess in terms of consuming web comics um i guess that's not really fair to say but specifically in terms of consuming web comics uh mobily right so like via an app or like uh, a kindle reader right um like in korea uh the infrastructure for internet is really, really great. And you can get high-speed internet wherever you go. And a lot of people in Korea use public transit to sort of go to and from places. Whereas like in America, almost everyone has access to their own car, right? So Mm. you wouldn't typically, you know, read um, a comic on like unstable Wi-Fi, or not Wi-Fi, but like LTE or like 3G um, while you're driving, right? That's just irresponsible. So there are some things... uh, within our own like cultural makeup that separate us in terms of pushing us to consume that kind of content. Um, I do agree that uh, web comics is a niche niche market, but I, I don't know. How do you define this? Like 
are we talking about like pure profitability? Because in terms of pure profitability, yes, um, physical comics are outselling us. But in terms of like um, pure views, I would say like web comics are definitely up there. Like we're driving a lot of page views to comics. I can't disclose the number, but yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I would argue like across all the web comic platforms. And I don't know if it's fair to include Tumblr, but I would say like in terms of cultural relevance we're, we're right up there in, in some cases especially with like millennials and whatnot yeah yeah um you know i i don't know this is this is this is a tough one because uh you know with with web comics like uh, it really drove it home for us is we did uh baltimore comic-con a couple of years ago mm, yeah. and uh, we had our books there and i kept asking people i said hey do you read web comics and this is a comic book convention mm-hmm. this is like 2012 2013 uh, most of the people i talked to didn't even know what web comics were didn't know they yeah. existed yeah, at so- a comic book <laughs> convention you know or the perception is um if it's not a mainstream title that i can buy through diamond it's it's just not on my radar i think yeah. that's that's a big thing now that is sort of fading away i think now with you know, digital comics platforms like Comixology and, and whatnot, that the, the, the lines between the print and digital comics are sort of blurring together, mm-hmm. which is good. But I don't know, you know, again, this is something I'd love to, I don't know how many of those, you know, Comixology readers are actually coming over to like, you know, web comics. Are they, are they, you know, if, would a Comixology reader come over to, to Postic and read comics there if it wasn't something they were actually, you know, buying and downloading would it not be a quote-unquote real comic to them because it didn't come from marvel and dc i mean it's sort of a weird you know it's a strange it's a strange situation but they're they're definitely i think the lines are blurring but at least from from where i'm sitting it looks like there has always been sort of this dividing line between web comics readers and print comics yeah i would i would definitely agree i mean like i remember um chang our ceo going to present and he asked uh, all the audience members like who here reads web comics and like nobody raised their hands mm-hmm. and then Chang was like who here reads oatmeal and like half the audience raised their hand and then it's like well you know oatmeal is a web comic and I think part of it has to do with sort of the obscurity of that word web comic yeah and how it's not I, I would say it's not really used too much outside of our circle and so um, despite the word itself having all the components you would need to define the word, like one web, two comic. It's still right. a confusing term for a lot of people. Um, so maybe we have to start redefining what that means or try to even maybe uh, create new terminology. Um, who knows? Uh, but back to your point about, yeah, how many people who read like Marvel and DC on Comicsology would sort of come to Tepasek? You know, this is a really great question. Um, how do we define like a webcomic re- reader is another good question. Like I know there are millions of people that read Sarah, Sarah Scribbles, um, the comic by Sarah Anderson. Mm-hmm. How many of those people would self-identify as a webcomic reader? Like that's a very interesting question, right? I would argue that probably a lot of them don't, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, that's something that we have to tackle. That's uh, that's a big thing we have to tackle in 2016 and moving forward like us and all the other like major like platform players, like we do have to have a joint effort in terms of trying to get the cultural consciousness to sort of know about what we're doing. Yeah. I think, it, you know, again, you mentioned uh, Sarah Scribbles and, and the oatmeal it might be that they read, you know, one comic online, but that's like the only comic they read. Yeah. online. So it's not like they're out there actively looking for other, you know, web comics. 
Um, but I also think, uh, you know, again, back to the, the term, I mean, yeah, it sort of sounds like electronic mail, like, well, yeah. duh. you know, <laughs> it's, it's a comic on the web. I mean, duh, you know, so maybe, maybe somebody does need to come up with a better term. I mean, digital comics. Yeah. But then again, everything's digital now. I mean, it's, yeah. it makes as much sense as saying, Hey, I just bought a new digital album, you know, on, on iTunes. Uh, of course you did. <laughs> you know? Then we so. get into like weird semantics where like people are like, well, if it's a physical, if it's available physically, is it still a, a digital comic? Is a digital comic made specifically to be consumed digitally? Um, we've come across that a couple times. Um, uh, originally, we wanted to use the term mobile comics. Um, mm. That didn't really uh, that didn't really uh, pick up with a lot of people, so we sort of dropped it. We sort of became web comics again. So, um, yeah, terminology is a huge thing. It has to do with like SEO too, like search engine optimization. Helping people discover the the content and other sites, so you know that is something that we as a community have to tackle in the future for sure. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that's you know all all areas of publishing, right? I mean, you've yeah. got you know ebooks and Kindle, whatever, but I don't think people really make the uh, the distinction between print and digital as much as as they did you know five ten years ago. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so um, you just make comics right yeah yeah make good comics (laughs) just make good comics um so is there uh michael anything else you you want to talk about you think that our listeners would i mean we're probably you know we'll be going to the webcomic community with this podcast and yeah uh other topostic creators so i would have to say though within the past three years i have seen a dramatic increase in quality um in webcomics which is awesome I think more people are exploring the possibilities of webcomics, mainly because of distribution, right? Like, you don't need to worry about physically printing and trying to distribute it on your own. And I think that's a uh, that's a really big advantage of of the modern era of webcomics, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, instead of building your own website, I would actually argue it's probably better to build your own social media empire first, right? To distribute yeah. your comic. Yeah. Um, we're in a culture where everyone loves to share content. We're in a culture where everyone loves to be the first one to share content. Um, so I think people should try to take advantage of that. Not like to take advantage of consumers, but, you know, just right, sort of right. capitalize on the opportunity that people want to share. People want to, you know, people want to share content and people want to appear to be like, look, I discovered these guys before anyone else knew about it. Sort of like that hipster type of culture that I'm a part of and that I am very guilty of, especially when I'm <laughs> the pastor. Whereas like when I pick out things for editorial review and I like showcase something that has maybe like three subscribers and, you know, they jump to like 2,000 subscribers, I'm always like slowly pumping my fist like, yeah, you know, I found them first. But, you know, no, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think. That's that's a really good point. I mean, we've talked about that before too. And I, I you know, even just the other week with with Brady Dale it was like, you know, are, are creators even going to bother having their own websites in the future? And it just doesn't seem like, you know, it really makes a lot of sense because you have to drive traffic to that site, and most people just kind of stick to social media, don't they? I mean, they yeah. might go out and find an article somewhere, but like Topostic is sort of its own uh, uh, ecosystem. You know, you go in there to read comics, you know. There's yeah, we're like there. a faux sort of social media site. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. a social media site for web comics, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult because I would say um, there are two, I would say there are two schools of approaching creating a career in the webcomic sphere. Whereas one approach is like the ad revenue direct sales approach where you're trying to merchandise, 
or trying to um, monetize off of the comic itself. Um, and the second approach is like a pure sort of readership building approach mm-hmm. where you're trying to get to a critical mass of readers and then you sort of just like pull the trigger and try to sell something like a, like a one-off t-shirt. And you have so many people that it's really going to blow up. Like a really, really good example of this is um, one of my good friends, uh, Wenching, who goes by Yume. She oh, makes yeah, yeah. This, yeah, she makes an a absolutely beautiful comic called mm-hmm. uh, Fisheye Placebo. Mm-hmm. And she, I feel like she sort of falls into that second category where she built up an amazing fan base of people that just love her as a person. And um, like, it's just one of these weird things. This is a, like a weird tangent, but um, she barely updates Fisheye Placebo. It's still one of the most read comics on Topastic. It's just like people keep coming back to it despite it not being updated just to reread it over and over again. It's like this weird phenomenon that we haven't seen really replicated. And it's like a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but she built up her fan base to a point where she announced a pair of like headphones that she mm-hmm. was building. And she raised I, for north of like $3 million, right? Holy um, moly. Yeah. And she is one of those creators who doesn't really monetize that heavily off of the comic she makes or like the content she puts out. Mm. So there is that, that sort of other approach that I think we're going to see a lot more often uh, moving forward. I think, I actually think oatmeal is like a really good example of this as well, where, you know, the creator of the oatmeal is not selling anything um, aggressively. He just makes really good content and has built up such a, an amazing readership that when he announces, what was it? Exploding cats, the card game. Oh yeah, yeah. Exploding that, kittens. Yeah. Yeah, exploding <laughs> kittens. And that's where it took off. I think that new approach of making a living is gonna be um we're gonna see a lot more of that in the future, I'd say. Especially with the you know, with the proliferation of social media um taking over instead of like, you know, building your own site. That being said, I still encourage everyone to build their own site. Um it's this weird thing where not a lot of people expect me to say it, but I want everyone to build their own site and I want everyone to post on every webcomic platform possible. Like Smack Jeeves, Webtoons, um, Comic Fury, Tumblr, um, build your own WordPress. I want comic creators to try all of it. Um, post on Topastic 2. I forgot to give us ourselves a shout out. <laughs> um, post everywhere and find out what works for you. I don't think like Topastic works out for everyone, but it works out for a lot of people. And the same goes for all these other platforms. Um, if you have the time, build your own site, figure it out. I think it's a really good way to learn um, time management, what really works for you. It, it helps you figure out where your readers want to read your comics, you know. And, um, yeah, post it on Instagram, post it on Facebook, tag us on Twitter, you know, do all these things. Um, I think a lot of people, this is like a very strange tangent, but I feel like a lot of comic creators are afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where... I wish comic creators would give other creators like huge shouts, shout outs like more often than I see today. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part in helping other creators grow. We've been able to manage it internally on Topastic where we give shout outs to so many people every so often. But I think it means more when like one of your peers gives you gives you a shout out like out of the blue than it does for like this giant conglomerate such as Topastic to be like, hey, we really think this is cool. Um, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> you look at uh, you know some other other you know 
platforms where people are creating stuff and and there is a lot of you know patting each other on the back and and mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of a camaraderie there um and i don't know if it's just you know everyone feels like they're on an island or they f- they feel like they're competing with everybody else um like they're afraid that their readers are going to like you know, forget about them and go read these other comics because you promoted you know, his yeah. comic. And be like, oh, that comic's so much better than yours. You're old news, and <laughs> I'm out of here. I don't think yeah. that's the case. They're just going to add another comic to their their list. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. It's it's you know, I think a lot of it just comes down to web comics creators have. have I mean, they're they're you know, historically there have been, you know, some different circles the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And yet, you know, some people bring together like, uh, you know, Topatica or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, it just seems like a lot of these creators are sort of on island, you know, mm-hmm. and especially when you're building your own site and, and, uh, it seems like a lot of the advice for, for actually creating comics is, you know, a couple people give some advice out, but it's, it's a hard thing. And mostly they'll mm-hmm. tell you, just figure it out, you know, go figure it out, go put yeah. something on the internet and figure it out on your own, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think that that makes it such a lonely, lonely experience, you know, like creating content itself is like a very lonely experience unless you're collaborating. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the beauties of web comics where I remember when I was a kid, I would travel down to San Diego for Comic-Con and I would wait hours and hours in line just to get an autograph for like this creator. And today, like you can tweet at your favorite creators. There's like there's no barrier to entry in, in terms of interacting. And I think the same goes for creating. Like there are no barriers for, you know, you interacting with your other favorite creators, you know, um, and collaborating in terms of, hey, can you look over this page or can you give me feedback on the things I'm working on? I think the Internet has really opened that up. And I really want to take advantage of that onto Pastic. Um, and we haven't really been able to uh, until very recently, I'd say, on our forums where people are being more collaborative, being more open. We have, you know, so many people asking for reviews now. Um, and it's this really great experience of connecting people. And I think at the end of the day, that's one of the things that we should emphasize as our strengths um, in terms of the web comics community is that, you know, we should be a bit tighter and we should you know, help each other out as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause it, it does, it does get lonely sometimes <laughs> even, even when you're working with the, with your spouse, but it, it sometimes <laughs> does kind of feel like you're, you're on this Island, you know, by yourself and, mm-hmm. and doing your thing. So, I mean, in all honesty, we're all really on the same Island, right? We're all trying to yeah. make a living off of web comics. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So obviously, uh, Topostic, where can you find Topostic for those of uh, you can find us at www.tapastic.com. That's T-A-P-A-S-T-I-C. You can find our apps on the iOS and uh, Google Play Store. You can find us on Facebook and, you know, you should shoot us a, a message on uh, Twitter. Um, I've been trying to get better at Twitter, so I'll respond to as many people as possible. Um, other than that, you can find me on the forums at forums.tapastic.com. Awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time, Michael. It's it's been a great great conversation. And thanks for having me. Sorry for it being so like um, eccentric. I'd say. No, no, that that's that's cool because I, I really I like where you guys are coming from, and uh, you know I think I think this is really going to help a lot of people who maybe were sitting on the fence about you know whether or not they should <laughs> should hook up with Tabastic. Yeah, for sure. Post your comics everywhere and try that's to right. too. That's right. Okay. Well, until next time, I am Tom Pratt. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and we will talk to you later. Goodbye.